We're in Exodus 23, okay? I'll pray and then we'll uh, get started. Father, we love your word, every part of it. We just pray, God, that you'll apply it to our lives in every part that we read. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in this, you know, this is continuing the book of the covenant. You think of the Ten Commandments, and we've already passed that. We've already gone through that. But after that, there, there is an extensive system here of, uh, of legal and religious issues. Because, okay, it's only this way for Israel. It's not this way for any other nation. Israel is vitally connected to Yahweh by civil law and religious law. Now, other, other nations would have some of these statutes, I suppose, things about stealing and, and so forth. But um, the law, the book of the, the law of the covenant, the book of the covenant that God establishes here with Israel covers all of those aspects of their lives and their relationship. Now, remember, the deal is this. I'm going to take care of you. You won't ever have to worry about a thing. No nation will stand against you. You won't ever go hungry. You'll be happy, but you got to keep this covenant. Okay, we'll keep it all. God says, because if you don't keep it, I'm not going to help you. And we know what happens when that happens. So the giving of this law continues, this covenant the law of the covenant. Now, it is expanded upon. You may see portions that we've gone through or that we're going through tonight that you've heard about before, but um, what you have heard may have come from, it may have been the addendum from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy expands a little bit. This is really some of this, but a lot of this is just an expansion of the Ten Commandments. And Deuteronomy is, in some places, an expansion of the expansion. All right? Well, we ain't in Deuteronomy. We're in Exodus. So we're just going to stick with Exodus. Legal justice. Uh, so I guess you could say this is sort of expanding on uh, what the, is it the Ninth, ninth Commandment, uh, bearing false witness? You shall not accept a false report. Do not place your hand with a wicked person to be a false witness. That's conspiracy. See, this is, this, is what our, this is what our representatives in Washington so faithfully obey. Um, uh, that'd be funny if it wasn't so true. <laughs> you shall not follow the majority for evil. Now think about that. We almost, and I know that we're not Israel, but we, there, there's nothing wrong with making a comparison, I don't think. We're always running polls. You know, the poll said this. The majority of Americans say this. This, this, this. That shouldn't really matter when it comes to matters of morality, legality, uh, and civil relationship. And this is what the Lord is saying. You shall not follow the majority for evil. 
you shall not respond concerning a lawsuit to follow many to pervert justice. Neither shall you glorify a poor man in his lawsuit. Okay, here's the deal. God says it doesn't matter about a person's social circumstances. That's for something else. But when it comes to the law, everybody is, le is legally equal. We're all equal in the law. Doesn't matter what our, what our setting is in life uh, or anything else. The law is just. It's equitable. It has to be fairly applied. It doesn't matter what the majority thinks. If you look at these three verses, it doesn't matter what, a, what somebody tries to bribe you about. Um, and that's what part of verse one is, bribery, um, conspiracy, um, and to follow the majority, all of these things. Now, it's interesting to me that Yahweh, of course, he knows everything. He already knows the end of it from the beginning of it. But Yahweh enlightens us to the fact that there will come times when most of the people will not want to do the right thing. And, and Yahweh says that's wrong. Don't follow the majority uh, for evil. And uh, they're going to, let me get my laser pointer here. Uh, you should, neither should you glorify a poor man in his lawsuit. It's got to be fair. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter what set of circumstances are. The law has to be fair. Okay. Pardon? Feelings have nothing to do with it. No, no, no. <laughs> No. Uh, so that's <laughs> what you're saying. If you hurt my feelings, it doesn't matter, right? Le legality is legality, right? Legal is legal. Feelings is more important. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I saw the on Facebook the comparison between the 18-year-old in World War II, the 18-year-old today, the guy in World War II was storming the beach. I think if the guy today was wiping his eyes, he was crying. Somebody hurt his feelings over something. <laughs> <sighs> there again, that'd be funny if it wasn't so true. You read all this to every jury that Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Well, think about it. The Ten Commandments are inscribed in the Supreme Court. At least for now. And uh, <laughs> didn't I? Don't know. I probably it's probably a. I'm not going to repeat it. I'll be breaking a commandment. Distance yourself from a false matter. Do not kill a truly innocent person or one who has been declared innocent, for I will not vindicate a guilty person. Oh, excuse me. Oh, that's right. We don't want, we've got to know what to do with our donkey. <laughs> And our bull. <laughs> if you come upon your enemy's truck <laughs> or his car, you shall surely return it to him. If you see your enemy's donkey lying under its burden, would you refrain from helping him? You shall surely help along with him. Now, here's, here's what I think. I think a donkey is too dumb to deceive you. So if he's, if he's overburdened, 
he's really overburdened. He's not just tricking you, you know. This is kind of too much for me. Uh, except for Balaam's donkey. No, he wasn't dumb. I love it. May I quote the King James? <laughs> Balaam's ass turned around and said. Has <laughs> that ever happened to you? I don't know. I'm a... <laughs> Sometimes it talks to me. Okay, I'm, I'm, back, I'm back in the sixth grade again. Forgive me. I'm going to come back into my adulthood now. Thanks for that visual. The point is this. <laughs> Not every donkey can tell you how he's feeling, okay? Only one in the whole Bible. But you can tell by what he looks like if he's feeling bad and, and can't get along. You shall not pervert the judgment of your poor man in his lawsuit. There again, equity under the law. Distance yourself from a false matter. Do not kill a truly innocent person or one who has been declared innocent, for I will not vindicate a guilty person. In other words, you've, you, you have to follow the law. Look at this. Now think about this. Distance yourself from a false matter. Something is proven false, forget it, right? Don't stay after it. Um, don't keep going after it. Don't accept, uh, verse 8, you should not accept a bribe, for a bribe will blind the clear-sighted and corrupt words that are right. You should not oppress a stranger, for you know the feelings of the stranger since you were strangers in the land of Egypt. The principle of mercy is very important to Yahweh, to our God. He had mercy on his people. The Egypt, he had mercy when the Egyptians would not have mercy on them. They were mercilessly treated and missed. We saw that in early Exodus. So Yahweh says to his people, you remember how you felt? when you were a stranger in their land and how they mistreated you and you really didn't have any recourse, I don't want you to be that way. You know the feelings of the stranger since you were strangers in the land of Egypt. So don't oppress a stranger. Charity, kindness, this is foundational for the people of God. Okay, so we move out of, we move out of, move out of the uh, civil justice thing into the religious law. Sabbaths and annual festivals. Six years you may sow your land and gather in its produce. But in the seventh year, now these are the laws of the Sabbath, okay? In the seventh year you shall release it and abandon it. The poor of your people shall eat it. What they leave over, the beasts of the field shall eat. So shall you do to your vineyard and your olive trees. The land rests every, seven, every seventh year. It has been worked for six years and all of the gleanings belong to the poor people until they can't store or eat anymore and then what's left over uh, for, the, uh, for the animals of the field. For, 
Now these would be undomesticated animals, I guess. Uh, so it's you know it's a it's a thing of caring for the poor as well as as well as animals taking care of animals. Six days you may do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, in order that your ox and your donkey shall rest, your maidservant's son and the stranger shall be refreshed. All right, let's keep on on that. Let's see. Concerning all that I've said to you, you shall beware. In the name of the gods of others you shall not mention. It shall not be heard through your mouth. The, uh, we're going to get a little deeper in this here, I think, in about two or three or four verses down. But they're headed to a, well, they came out of a fairly evil culture that had, that had based itself on demons, gods and goddesses. But from all that I read uh, in the Bible and what I read extra biblically from people who have studied ancient history and, and archaeological digs and all, Canaanite is even worse than Egypt when it comes to darkness and evil. Well, this is where they're headed. So there has to be, there has to, there have to be some rules here set in place with regard to the gods of other nations and other people. On the Sabbath especially, don't even speak the name of another God. Now, three times you shall slaughter sacrifices to me during the year. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. Well, there's Passover and then Unleavened Bread for seven days. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread as I have commanded you at the appointed time of the month of springtime. For then you left Egypt and they shall not appear before me empty-handed. So this is the first festival, the festival of unleavened bread. The festival of the harvest, uh, the first fruits, the, the harvest or the first fruits, that would be Pentecost. That would be 50 days later, that would be Pentecost. The first fruits of your labors which you will sow in the field and the festival, and then the third one, the festival of the ingathering, at the departure of the year when you gather in the products of your labors from the field. Three times during the year all your males shall appear before uh, Adonai Yahweh. Um, I guess it would be the Lord your God or something, but it, Adonai is master. He's sovereign. When you think of who gives you the produce of the land, it is Adonai. It is, it is Adonai who is the provider of everything. That's one of the names of God, of course, in the uh, New Testament. So, so these festivals have to do with harvest, uh, with, with gathering in as God has provided for them. You shall not sacrifice the blood of my sacrifice with leaven, and the fat of my festive sacrifice shall not stay overnight until morning. Okay. This will be seen by the thoughtful Bible student as a, uh, as a reference to the work of Christ uh, as, as, as the teaching of that develops through the, through the Bible. This is the, initial, this is the initial of that. 
don't the blood of my sacrifice, don't mix it with leaven, don't let leaven come to it. The fat of my festival sacrifice, don't let it stay overnight, don't let it have any kind of spoil or anything go wrong with it. The choicest of the first fruits of your soil you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God, Yahweh el Hakim. You shall not cook a kid in its mother's milk. Now, I've, I've researched that. There's a lot of different ideas. If you have an idea of why that's shouldn't, one of them, and probably the one that most people reference and fall back on, is that it's just a humane thing to do. I don't, I don't really know. Um, I've never boiled a kid in its mother's milk. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if y'all have ever eaten a goat boiled in milk or not, young goat. Concordance in my Bible says that was a Canaanite. Uh, Say again. The concordance in my Bible says that that was a Canaanite ritual. Okay, that makes sense. Um, all right. Uh, now, a promise concerning the conquest of the land. Behold, I'm sending an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I've prepared. Now, you notice here what Yahweh says. I already have prepared this. All you got to do is walk into it. See, that's what he says. All you have to do is walk into it. Don't worry about it. Doesn't matter how bad things look. Doesn't matter if they're giants. Doesn't, all you have to do is walk in and take it. To bring you to the place I have prepared. Beware of that angel and obey him. Do not rebel against him, for he will not forgive your transgression, for my name is within him. Most likely the angel of the Lord. Well, there was a pillar of fire, and there was a cloud, and I'm sure he was within that, so uh, uh, they could see that part uh, of him anyway. He, he had a, obviously a, a, some kind of visible presence, uh, and he would speak. Beware of him. Obey him. Don't rebel against him. He won't forgive your transgression. My name is within him. Uh, you know, everything points to the fact that this would be, of course, God the Son, for if you hearken to his voice and do all that I say, so God's voice is his voice, I will hate your enemies and oppress your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you to the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Can Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and I will destroy them. Yahweh says he will take the responsibility for destroying all these people. Now these people are there all right, now think about this. At last, when Joshua, when we went through Joshua a few months, years ago, I don't know, he carried the people into a land that didn't have to be cleared, fields that didn't have to be plowed. Uh, the place was ready for them. All they had to do was walk in and just take up life. It was all ready for them. This was the purpose of these people, the Canaanites, this was their purpose according to God until he brought the Israelites there. They were just simply to keep the land until God brought the Israelites there. Then he'd do away with them. Well, he could do what he wants to. He made them. He can do whatever he wants to. You shall not prostrate yourself before their gods. You shall not worship them and you shall not follow their practices, but you shall tear them down and you shall utterly shatter their monuments. Let me, let me say... Let me say this. 
We're not Israel, I understand that. But there are some spiritual principles that one cannot ignore. <clears throat> Through the years, I've done quite a bit of study on the Canaanite culture that existed prior to Israel taking over the land. For a younger preacher 20, 30 years ago to have read some of the books that I read, uh, the, the, the extra biblical historical books and things that were discovered about Canaan from, from archaeological digs and, and other ancient writings, it was a shocking thing to read. But you know what? Living in the United States of America today, if I went back and read those books, it wouldn't be so shocking. Because we're seeing the same practices today. They were unthinkable. Unthinkable some years ago. These were Canaanite practices that were born out of hell. They were part of the fertility cult worship of the false gods. If you study it deeply and study it extensively, you will see that permeating the false worship of Canaanites was, was horrific sexual perversion. Everything, everything went to that. I mean, it was just, it was that. Sexual pleasure, uh, homosexuality, bestiality, everything in between. Uh, all of these things are what the Canaanites did. This is repeated in Leviticus, but it's given more extensively by Yahweh. And he, went, he goes through the thing, you know, nudity, uh, incest, uh, homosexuality, uh, lesbianism, bestiality, all of the awfulest things you can think of. This was common practice for the Canaanites because of their gods, demons. These were demonic things. You can't escape that. I don't care what anybody says. You cannot escape the demonic foundation of sexual perversion, which is outside the parameters of, of, of the biblical limits of, of sexu human sexuality. Okay. Notice what Yahweh says. You don't follow their practices. You don't worship them. See, part of the worship was to engage in these perverted acts. That was an act of worship. That's why you had priests and priestesses. You had temple prostitutes, both male and female, in those things. And it transfers on down through the Greeks into the times of the Romans. Um, here's what he says. You get in there and you see these temples, these monuments, you tear them down, utterly shatter them, destroy them, pulverize them, get rid of them completely. There should be nothing left standing to remind you of the demonic practices of the worship of the Canaanites. So, here's my rhetorical question of the night. Was God tolerant? No. He was intolerant. He did not want his people doing what devil worshipers do. He's intolerant of that. So he's intolerant of that today. You shall worship Yahweh, you shall worship the Lord your God. He will bless your food, your drink, and I will remove disease or illness from your midst. Okay. 
What's the implication of verse 25 relative to verse 24? You follow their practices. You do the stuff that they do. Something's going to happen to your life regarding eating and drinking. But even more than that, you're going to become diseased. Disease will run rampant. So apparently... I don't know this. I'm not a biologist. I'm, but, you know, there's something in there that apparently breaks down the immune system and, and people collapse into disease. Diseased people. Let's think of this. I, don't, I, I, should, have, I should have had it handy so that I would have something to fall back on, but perhaps you've read the same news articles that I've read regarding the homeless population in San Francisco and in Los Angeles. Um, their raw sewage is all over the curbs, everywhere, yards, bushes, everywhere in these cities. And diseases that ran rampant in the ancient world are beginning to pop up for the first time in the United States on a large scale. Leprosy, I don't know. You name, you'll, you'll think you're back in the Middle Ages or back in Jerusalem in Jesus' day or something. These things are beginning to be discovered uh, in, a, in a place of, of, of carelessness. Don't, don't get me wrong. I understand that people can fall on hard times. I haven't, I haven't studied sociologically, the, the problems leading up to homelessness. I may wind up there myself. I don't know. But I can tell you this. I know where a bathroom is. I know how to take a bath. I know how to eat clean food. And I think, surely I know how to do something that could get me minimum wage and I could live in a cheap motel till I could do better. <laughs> until... Till the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas calls me to come be their pastor. Don't lose any sleep over that. <laughs> Evil, uh, carelessness is not even a, that's too nice of a word. I'm, I'm searching for a word. Um, uh, what's a word? Just that's uh, evil causes a person apparently just to lose all dignity and, and responsibility for life and the natural thing comes back on him which are the diseases and the physical problems that go with it. What if your food and your drink don't have the blessing of God? I used to think, until I had a kidney stone, I used to think that hell was suffering a stomach virus eternally. That's what I used to think hell was. Then I had a kidney stone. I've changed my mind. It may be a combination of both of them. While you're on fire, you know. What if God doesn't bless your food and drink? What if he doesn't remove illness from your midst? This is, a, this, is a, this is a big warning to people, uh, his people, heading into a place 
where people just routinely do things that are unspeakable and, and subhuman. But that's, that's normal to them. So, God gives them the warning. There will be no bereaved or barren woman in your land. I will fill the number of your days. Now, why does he say that? What did I just say about the false gods of Canaan? They were fertility cults. So, people wanted to have children. They went and enjoyed worship at the Canaanite temple based on sexual activity. Here's what God says. God says, hey, that won't help you none, but I will. There won't be any grieved women who can't have children. I'm going to take care of you. I will fill the number of your days. Well, and, and they, they, you know, we saw in um, Exodus, yeah, in early in Exodus, how quickly the Israelites were populating their land of Goshen. And it, it made the Egyptians marvel at how they were able to multiply their numbers, uh, which is, hey, when you are a godly, pious, blessed society, there's nothing greater than family and culture and enjoyment and prosperity and happiness. There's nothing greater than that. Now you, you remove that out from under the hand of God and under the Word of God, and you have something horrible. So God is saying, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. You don't have to think. Apparently, this is the gospel according to Charles. You can take it or leave it. Apparently, this fertility cult, Canaanite worship, would be very, very appealing from a lustful standpoint. It would be very appealing to the baser nature of a human being. And if there was no restraint and no divine intervention from above, if we didn't have rules, there's no depth to which we could into which we could collapse. And so God is essentially saying, if you're not careful, if you don't destroy all this stuff and get rid of it, you're going to look. You're going to look here. You're going to find yourself looking at it and looking back at it, and then you're going to find yourself wanting to get involved with that thing, and then it's going to mess up everybody. I'm going to take care of you, even to the point of giving you a happy family. So you don't have to think that you have to go and, regardless of how powerful the draw and how great and sweet the message is, to go and get yourself involved in fertility cults. You don't do that. I'm going to take care of you. Verse 27, I will send my fear before you. I will confuse all the people among you who shall come, uh, among whom you shall come, and I will make all your enemies turn their backs on you. And I will send the hornets, the hornets from uh, before you, and it will drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from before you. Uh, now, some scholars say, well, you know, the Lord did things, and it was like it was like, I, personally, I think it was a bunch of hornets. Um, 
I've never been stung by a hornet, but my understanding is it's an unpleasant experience. I have an uncle who nearly died when he ran over a yellow jacket nest with a riding lawnmower. And uh, he almost died. They got him to the hospital. Joel, you may remember. Um, and my understanding is that a hornet sting is worse than that. So uh, I wouldn't want to hang out at a place where hornets were always attacking me. But look at the grace of God, verse 29. I will not drive them away from before you in one year. Now this is what I was talking about earlier. Lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field outnumber you. So God left them there to make sure that the land was tended to and that the animal population was kept in check. I will drive them out from before you little by little until you have increased and can occupy the land. That's just grace. That's the grace of God. And I will make your boundary from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines, that's the Mediterranean Sea, from the desert to the river, for I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hands. You shall drive them out from before you. You shall not form a covenant for them or for their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they cause you to sin against me, that you will worship their gods, which will be a snare for you. Okay. We'll stop there. Let's pray. Father, we marvel at how meticulously you care for your people and we thank you for it. Help us and bless us and strengthen us and guide us, guard us and protect us so that we can live in our day in the way that is acceptable to you, that you might bless us and carry us on. In Jesus' name, amen.